listening to Wake Up and Read the Labels, your guide to eating simple and feeling good. If you want to eat clean and feel your best, guess what? You're in the right place. Each week, we talk about ingredients that may be holding you back from feeling your best. We also talk to some brands that are going against the grain and actually using real ingredients we can recognize. Plus, we're sharing stories with people who are just like you, who actually woke up and read the labels. Welcome to Wake Up and Read the Labels podcast. Today, we're going to be diving into how plants and vegetables and fruits, all the things that grow from the ground, can actually be healing to your gut and healing to what you're faced up against. I'm going to be joined today by Dr. Yami. She's a board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician. She is a passionate promoter of healthy lifestyles. So that's what we're all about here at Wake Up and Read the Labels. But She especially specializes, those words don't go together well, but the power of plant-based diets for the prevention of chronic disease. She founded VeggieFitKids.com, where she provides information on plant-based diets for children. Hello, Dr. Yami. How how are you? Not how old are you? How are you? (laughs) I'm great, and I'm almost 44. (laughs) Well, there we go. Throwing it all on the table. I love it. Okay. Yeah, I don't usually start work this early. Now that I'm on the West Coast, all the time is different. I'm usually central. So with that being said, tell me a little bit about your background and a fun fact about you. Well, I've been a pediatrician, practicing pediatrician for over 14 years now. And for the past 10 years or so, been very passionate about plant-based diets and more so now lifestyle medicine, because I'm really passionate about helping my patients live long, healthy lives. As a pediatrician, we're really lucky, especially as a primary care pediatrician, because the majority of our patients are super healthy. You know, they're thriving little kids, having a great time, but we have to think about it in terms of the long game. So I feel like my job is not just to help parents keep them healthy during their childhood, but instill those habits and behaviors that's going to last them a whole lifetime because that's only going to help our society. It's only going to bring more joy to our world and our planet as we live these long, healthy and joyful lives. As far as a fun fact about me, I think that... um, I don't feel super fun these days, but I will say that I I love glitter. I love glitter. So if I could just put glitter on everything, everywhere, that would be my dream come true. But I know that that's a lot of people's nightmare come true. So I understand. (laughs) Especially if you have carpet. Okay. So here at Wake Up and Read the Labels, I teach people about foods made with real ingredients, right? And today in 2023, when you're going out to eat and you're going to the grocery store, there's so much label confusion, greenwashing, all these things. We think we're being healthy, but we're not. So I want to know from like your personal experience, how do you feel going out to eat and looking at a kid's menu and seeing there's just a hamburger, chicken, macaroni and cheese, and pasta? How do you feel about those? I don't believe in kids' menus, first of all. I don't think there should be a kids' menu. <laughs> like, I think it's kind of atrocious that we even have kids' menus. And 
I haven't always known what I know. So maybe when my oldest was younger, maybe we used the kids menu, but it's been a long time since we've even looked at the kids menu. I feel like things like quote kids foods and snack foods are made up things. Like it's basically just ultra processed foods that we love to eat that are really hyper palatable and very stimulating and keeps us all going back. So what I encourage my patient families to do is look at whole foods and eat whole foods as much as possible and not to demonize any of these foods, but don't feel like your kid has to only eat from the kid's menu because basically it's the same foods on repeat, very bland, very low in fiber and low in antioxidants. So I really think that what children eat during their meals and during their snacks should be the same. Like, you know, it shouldn't be any different. It shouldn't be a different category of food. As many whole foods as we can eat, the better. Is it more important or less important what kids should be eating versus adults? Like, should kids, because they're at a susceptible time of growth and development, should they be more concerned about eating more wholesome foods than adults or is it equal? Studies show that by the time you're five, the diet that you're eating predicts your adult diet. So yeah, it's incredibly important. And we can even step back and say, it's not just important what a child is eating, but the most important thing is what their mother is eating. When they're pregnant, correct? Not even just when they're pregnant, but during childhood, because those are the habits that are going to be instilled into the child. So absolutely, pregnancy has an effect on the palate of the child because a fetus can taste by 18 weeks of gestation. Mm -hmm. So they already have taste buds. They're already swallowing amniotic fluid. The little flavors, the essence of the food is coming through of the, the amniotic fluid. So as much as a pregnant person can try to eat those foods, the better. I know that sometimes some people have really bad nausea and vomiting during pregnancy, but as much as you can try to get those fruits, veggies, and beans, the better it is going to be for your child. If you're able to breastfeed, the better it is for your child because those flavors are coming through the breast milk. So we know that studies show that breastfed babies are more open to eating lots of fruits and vegetables as well. But then you also having those habits and continuing those habits as a mother, you're naturally passing that down to your child because that's the environment that they're living in. And like I said, by the time they're five, that diet that they're eating as a five-year-old is highly predictive of the diet that they're going to eat as an adult. For sure. I, I like to tell people that your kids may never repeat what you say, but time has shown that they do repeat what you do. So those little habits, they do add up. And I have tons of people that call me, they hop on a consult. They're like, I love this idea of clean eating. I want to do this for me and my family, but I'm pregnant and I'm tired and I'm craving all these foods. So I don't think it's a good time for me to do this. Should I wait? And it sounds like even you are saying, no, this is an important time when you're pregnant in development of your child and development while you're established and have it's in the household. So yeah, great tips. I'll just say though, that's really important because one thing that I think is, can be paralyzing, especially to moms is shame, right? So yes, the sooner, the better. However, it's never, ever, ever too late. Ever. I don't care how old your child is. I don't care how old you are. I mean, I've known of people in their nineties that are like, okay, I'm ready to change my diet. Okay. So it's never, ever, ever too late. And we all do the best we can wherever we can. I totally understand moms are stressed. They're overworked. They're anxious. 
depression, anxiety, all those kinds of things. So once you are able to get to that point that you can start making changes, it's not too late. So just start where you are. Yeah, I agree. I say it's an 80-20 rule as well. Do good when you can. Do good when you can. I want to dive into a lot of like what these foods, the healing powers behind them and how they can help you. But first, I would like to establish exactly like what's the difference between vegan and vegetarian and what are you promoting? Well, that's a good question. And what I tell everybody is that if you ever meet somebody who identifies in a certain way, you really can't know for sure unless you ask them specifically what they do and they don't eat. There's a lot of assumptions. There's a lot of definitions out there. But when it comes to eating specifically, I'm not even talking about the ethical stance on animals, the environment and all those kinds of things, but eating, you really need to ask people. So when I use the term vegan, I'm mostly referring to a way of life, not just a way of eating that you are doing as best as you can not to exploit or use animals, whether it's in your food and your clothing and, you know, your, your day-to-day life. Now, when I talk when I say the term plant-based, what I mean by plant-based is 100% plants. <laughs> However, not everybody means that and not all companies understand that. So speaking of reading labels, if you are vegan and you want to do the best you can to avoid all animal products and you see a product labeled plant-based, you really have to read the label because some companies think that dairy is plant-based and eggs are plant-based. So it doesn't mean the same thing for everybody. Same thing with vegetarians. Some people may self-identify a vegetarian, but they eat shrimp or they eat eggs or they eat chicken, you know? So then some people identify as vegetarian, but they're essentially vegan. They don't eat any animal products. So you really, these days have to ask, you cannot make any assumptions, but in general, general, general terms, if somebody identifies as vegetarian or see the term vegetarian, that usually means lacto-ovo-vegetarian, meaning that they may eat eggs or dairy and or dairy. And when somebody says plant-based in general, that means that they eat an exclusively plant-based diet. But like I said, that's not true across the board. Okay. So life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. You need to ask, right? Ask and you shall receive. Okay. Yeah. Tell me, is this way of eating plant-based, how you're generalizing this, is that taught in medical school? Absolutely not. I mean, not when I was in medical school. Now there are more medical schools that are starting to do culinary nutrition classes and they're learning about these different ways of eating because we are seeing more and more studies that are coming out about the benefits specifically to decrease the incidence and to potentially reverse chronic diseases such as diabetes and heart disease. So now I think people are learning more about it, but it's definitely not mainstream at all. So it's one of those things that if a healthcare provider wants to learn about, they need to learn about it themselves. The good news is that there's lots of organizations now that you're able to get continuing medical education from and things like the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, which one of their pillars of lifestyle medicine is a predominantly plant-based diet. So you are able to learn about the benefits and the power of plants through some of these organizations as well. So when mothers come to you with their children, right? You're only working with children. Is that correct? Your pediatrician. Zero to 21. Okay. Okay big children. I have medium children. But when they come to you, are these parents coming to you because they are just 
like they've had it with conventional medicine and their children are just being prescribed medications and they're trying to figure out another way? Or are they just coming to you because it was coincidental? So I'm a primary care pediatrician and I practice mainstream medicine as well. I do bread and butter peds. So I'm seeing kids for ear infections and I'm giving them amoxicillin. Okay. That's okay. Vitamin A in um, pediatrics, a lot of antibiotics for these childhood infections. So I'm a true pediatrician. Okay. Like I'm traditionally trained. However, I emphasize lifestyle medicine. So yes, there are going to be parents that come to me because they want that lifestyle medicine emphasis. They want to hear about alternatives to conventional medicine when that alternative is reasonable. So if I have a child in my office who has pneumonia, I'm not going to be like, go home and just have a spinach smoothie. Yeah. That's not how you treat pneumonia, right? However, so we may be giving antibiotics, but I'm going to talk about all the ways that we can help this child also support their immune system, recover better, all of those things, which is going to be the pillars of lifestyle medicine, including eating lots of fruits and vegetables. So yeah, I think I have the reputation that people know that I practice a bit differently, but I'm not, I, I haven't thrown everything out, you know, like okay. there are times that kids need things. Absolutely. Because they could die if not. <laughs> so. No, I know. I know. No, medicine has gotten us as far as we can and I'm thankful for it. And I myself, everybody listening, yes, I will take antibiotics if I need it. My husband doesn't have a spleen. So we're oh, like yes. with the doctor all the time, often worried about pneumonia, things like that. But Looking back on this, okay, personally speaking, both of my kids got tubes in their ears. One got adenoids removed. And my mom brought it up to me, like, why are so many kids this day and age having to get tubes and adenoids? Like, that didn't exist. Or why are so many kids getting colds at nursery? Do you believe that dairy has something to do with the inflammation inside of the body? And also, do you believe that this ultra processed diet, and I'm talking about the diet made with the ingredients we can't pronounce, the additives, the refined sugars, all these things are bringing the immune system down and making them more prone to more colds and sicknesses? Okay. Several thoughts about this. So just full disclosure, I hate dairy, so I'm really biased. Let's go. Me too. That dairy can cause a lot of inflammation for a lot of people, especially when it's overdone. And because I think we've had so many decades of dairy being romanticized, I think for a lot of parents, dairy is that thing that they give their child when they start getting anxious that their child's not eating enough, which happens around toddlerhood. So there's a lot of toddlers that come in, they're still drinking like 24, 30 ounces of milk a day, you know, and, and having the cheese sticks and the yogurts and the everything else with dairy. And so, yes, I think it definitely can cause problems. And I, as a traditionally trained pediatrician, my first few years of practice, I was a dairy pusher because that's what we were taught. That's what's in the guidelines, despite the fact that I was seeing all these problems with dairy. So, you know, you can imagine like that feeling of like, okay, I was taught this is supposed to be good for us, supposed to be healthy, but this discomfort of like 
this is seemed to be working and that paradigm shift that came afterwards. So definitely I'm not a supporter of dairy. My families know this. <laughs> and yeah. if they do choose to eat dairy, which, you know, it's hard to completely avoid dairy in this society. It's in everything. Especially for kids. I recommend it to at least keep it super low and not think of it as a health food. At the very least, do not think of it as a health food or something that's necessary for the health of our children. So that's the first thought. When it comes to infections, and kids getting infection, the number one risk factor is exposure. And the number one way to be exposed is to be around a lot of people. So you start seeing this. I have a lot of families that they homeschool their kids. They literally, they're like homesteaders. They have like, they grow all their own food, like the most healthy lifestyle you can imagine. Guess what? By the time they start getting three, four, five, six, I have do have families that have eight kids. Mm-hmm. They start getting sick. The kids start getting infections because you just have more people, more people, more risk, more disease, more infection. So the reason this is important to understand is because parents do get super stressed and anxious about their kids getting sick and they automatically start to blame themselves. So it's really important to know that if you're going to be a human living in the world, you're going to be exposed to infection. There's no way to avoid it. And we have 8 billion people on this planet now. The more people we have, we're just going to get more infection. We're going to get more pandemics. It's just going to happen. That's just the reality. So once kids start going to daycare where you're starting to get 15, 20 kids in a, in a room, I mean, forget it. Your kids are going to get sick. And we know in pediatrics, and this has been true for a long time, not just in the past few years, that when kids first start going to daycare, preschool, whatever, wherever their first exposure to bigger number of kids is going to be, they can get between six and 12 infections in the first six months of being in that setting, okay? It does slow down over time. The other thing is viruses and bacteria, they've changed, they mutate, they evolve because they're evolving, they're changing, they're trying to survive out in the world too, right? So every three or four years, pediatricians know we're gonna have a horrendous season. Everybody's gonna be sick, the flu's gonna be bad, we're gonna have tons of severe infections, it's just gonna be bad, 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 and, <laughs> and we're all gonna be crying, and parents gonna think that their kids have immune deficiencies, and it just happens. And then the two years after that, it's kind of a little bit calmer, and then another year comes and it's like really bad. So we see these cyclical things because these organisms are evolving too, okay? So that's the second thing. The third thing is that yes, we are also consuming and just lifestyles in general are not great. So it's not just what we're eating, you know, like definitely nutrition and diet is my favorite thing to talk about, but there's families, the kids aren't going to bed till midnight or they're playing like a million different sports. They're overtraining. They're not sleeping enough. Kids are anxious. They're stressed. And all of these things affect our immune system and how well our immune system is able to function in the setting of exposure. So we do need to think about not just what we're eating, but the entire spectrum of our habits and try to optimize them as much as possible. But even when you optimize things, unless you literally put your child in a bubble, which is not an ideal way to live, right. your kid's going to get sick at some point, right? So that's my spiel. Okay. So I'm pretty sure everyone listening is like, yes, this is my life. This is my life. So what are some small things I can do to better my child's immune system or just better their day, better their quality of foods? Like, do you have any top three or five foods that every kid should be eating every day? Well, 
I don't like to say it that way because it puts a lot of pressure on parents. And I also am a big proponent of intuitive eating. Okay. So instead of saying, what are our kids eating? I'd rather it be, what are we offering our kids? Because then they get to decide if and how much they want to eat of that. Okay. Fruit every day. several times a day, if possible, Mm -hmm. veggies as much as possible, knowing that depending on the age of the child, you may be offering that veggie and it may be days before they touch it. Okay. So know about that. And then a big one that people often neglect is beans. And the reason I mentioned beans is because they are a powerhouse. Not only are they high in antioxidants, but they're also our best source of fiber. And earlier you alluded to why are these foods so powerful? They're so powerful because of fiber. Fiber is my favorite F word. And it's one of the best things for us for so many different reasons. But when it comes to the immune system, the reason that fiber is so important is because fiber feeds our gut microbiome. That is what our gut bugs eat. They can only eat fiber and that helps them stay stable and strong and maintains a really good flora. And we know that our immune system, a big part of it is in our gut. So when we support our gut health, by eating fiber, then we're supporting our immune system. So beans are great. So if you can't get them every day, at least three, four times a week, and you can put them in all kinds of things. It doesn't have to be whole beans. You could puree them into spaghetti sauce. You can puree them into smoothies. You can cook them into muffins and little breads. You know, there's all sorts of ways that you can integrate legumes into the diet. And that's a big one for me because I feel like a lot of American families aren't familiar with using legumes. So if they can just start familiarizing themselves with including that in the diet, I think that could be like so beneficial to the health of the children. How do you feel about the phytic acid in beans? And generally speaking, when most people eat beans, it makes them gassy and uncomfortable and bloated. Like if somebody comes to you like, hey, my kid's getting enough beans, but they're always gassy. They're always bloated. They're having discomfort. What are the beans doing to the gut then? Why is it doing that? I would question whether they're having discomfort. Like, are you projecting that onto them? Because you may have discomfort from their gas. So that's something to think about. Because people don't eat beans, they're not used to digesting beans, meaning their gut flora isn't strong enough yet. They need to build up that gut flora. So if you're going from like not eating any beans because you think they're bad and they have, you know, all these anti-nutrients or whatever, then start low. Start with just a tablespoon at a time and then add. You can also start with the smaller beans, like lentils, split peas. They're easier. They're softer. The outside little component of it is softer. So it's going to be easier on your gut flora. But here's the other thing I want to challenge people with. Gas is not bad. Why are we having gas? We're having gas because that's what happens after the gut bacteria digest the fiber. So It's actually evidence that it's working. It's evidence that you are feeding your gut bacteria. And as those colonies get stronger and they grow, it's going to get better. But probably you're going to have gas if you eat plants. It's just the way it is. I mean, you feed your gut flora, they digest it, they produce gas, you have gas. So gas is not necessarily a bad thing. As far as like pain and bloating, if someone really is having pain, then they should probably talk to their healthcare provider about it. Because most people, if you have gas, you don't have pain. You just have gas. You're farting a lot, you know? But if it's painful, then there's something else likely going on there. So I would talk to a healthcare provider about that. 
Okay. Good to know. Tell me when, whether this is something you tell your patients or just generally speaking, when somebody says, oh, go plant-based. So you are looking for dairy-free, right? And you go to the grocery and you're looking at yogurts, cheese, ice cream, and milks, and they all say dairy-free. I mean, the dairy-free market is like booming. It's everywhere. People, I think, I forget what percentage it is, but it's like 28% of Americans are turned into a dairy-free lifestyle. Do you believe that all the dairy-free products on the market are created equal and can be good for you if you're living a plant-based life? I mean, not all products are created equal, plain and simple. That's just the way life is, right? When I tell families to look for plant-based milks, I prefer if they look for an unsweetened version. And for younger children, we want the ones that have higher density of calories. So usually like soy milk or pea protein, those kinds of milks, preferably unsweetened. But there are some really good milks out there that do have a little bit of sugar because that also, just remember that lactose is sugar, right? So whenever... We have mammalian milk, whether it's human milk or cow's milk. It's actually quite sweet. I don't know if you nursed your kids and you tasted your own breast milk. We did. Very, very sweet, okay? So sometimes whenever you're transitioning a child, you may need to use one of those in-between sort of milks that has a little sugar because otherwise it tastes really different from what they're used to. So it's not like I'm completely opposed. I would prefer one that doesn't have as much thickeners, preferably for me. And so soy milks and some of these other protein, pea protein milks are a little bit thicker without needing a bunch of other additives and things like that. So that all being said, when it comes to plant milks, I don't recommend that they're taking more than a certain amount anyway. I don't want children to be drinking milk of any form all day. I want them to be eating real food. Mm-hmm. So up to 16 ounces total per day, usually they're if they're not drinking it straight, they might be using it in their cereal or in their smoothies and things like that. So I don't want them to be overdoing liquid calories in general, okay? So that's just across the board for me, no matter what type of milk that they're drinking. Okay. I'm wondering, can you share a story about a child that you have worked with where the plant-based diet has helped them in some way, either help them overcome a sickness or help them overcome obesity, something like that? Well, I'll just say that when it comes to dairy in general, this happens all the time. (laughs) So just even just getting kids off dairy, we relieve constipation, chronic abdominal pain, all kinds of things. So that's something that I encounter all the time. When it comes to plant-based diets, I don't have a lot of patients that I'm transitioning 100% and telling them you have to go 100%. A lot of patients are coming to me already plant-based or predominantly plant-based, but my goal is not to say you must go vegan to help you. It's mostly like, okay, is dairy affecting you? Let's get you off dairy. And then let's increase the amount of plants that you're eating. So it doesn't have to be all or nothing. I choose to be plant-based because I'm also vegan. My children are also, but it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And that's something I talk about in my book as well. The more plants you eat, the better, but there's no evidence that shows that being a hundred percent is the only way, is the only path to health. But fortunately, whenever we do identify a problem and patients are willing to make a change, which not all patients are willing to make a change. We do see improvements. 
Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing that, Dr. Yami. Um, She has a book out called A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy. You can learn more at dryami.com and you can follow her on Instagram at the Dr. Yami. We'll also, all that stuff will be linked below the podcast. I appreciate your time and you sharing all this information because I do, and I think everybody here listening, like these people, our audience has woken up and they do realize the power beyond food. And so if just all of our doctors could wake up and just understand that, hey, what you're doing is great, but also we need to have that conversation about food because food is medicinal and food can help you and food is there to help you. And I think the way that society has trained us about our food just to focus on the nutrition facts and the calories and the carbs and the sugar we actually lost touch with like where our food's coming from what's really inside of it how it can actually help us instead of running away from it so i appreciate your time today and i think everything you're doing is amazing and anybody that wants to reach out just check out beneath the podcast thank you dr yami absolutely it's my pleasure thank you so much for having me as a guest Thanks for listening to this episode of Wake Up and Read the Labels. If you like this episode, guess what? We want you to share it. We'd love that. Share it with a friend and leave us a review. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or really wherever you're listening to your podcast. For more information, visit us at wakeupandreadthelabels.com. Hold up. 